Hi, this is Ronnie Romero, and you're listening Sonic Perspectives. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another interview of Sonic Perspectives. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with the incredibly talented singer, Ronnie Romero. Ronnie, how are you doing? Fine, thank you. How are you? Good, good, man. Uh, we have a million things to discuss today in a short amount of time, but uh, let's talk first about the Sunstorm release. First of all, how did you get involved with Sunstorm? Um, uh, well, I just got the call from, from the record label uh, because they were looking for a replacement for Jolene Turner, and they, um, said, if you know, you offer me the... Um, the job, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it was really easy, you know, uh, because I'm a huge fan of Sunstorm. Uh, it's one of my favorite Frontiers projects uh, from the beginning, so I was really apt to do it from 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 that time. Okay. okay. First two songs that were revealed, the title track and Swan Song, are incredible. Uh, I don't know if you agree, but I found this album to be very uplifting. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, there was the idea. <laughs> there was. The idea. <laughs> You know, um, um, it's great because at the end we just we just found the way to uh, fit the uh, the melodic music, the some AOR elements, obviously, uh, with the classic rock and the hard rock music from the Purple and Rainbow. You know, so um, I think it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great mix for the fans to listen this this album. Yeah, well, as a fan of all 80s oh. metal it's a perfect album for me i would say <laughs> yeah but uh i think for example on born again you sing about only love being able to cure the world so like you said it's it's a very uplifting album in a time when humanity is struggling with isolation i think at the, nowadays at this, this time in the, the hard times we're living uh musicians wanted to get the responsibility to bring positive messages to the people you know mm -hmm. uh, I think it's enough of uh, the ap apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Enough. There was a time to do it, but that's enough. Yeah, let's leave that to the real world, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah. actually people, people, they really, I think they really want to listen to something positive and then somebody to tell them that we're going to get through this, you know. Yeah, and I like how you change the way you sing uh, depending on what the song asks. On uh, I Found a Way, for example, you sound almost like David Coverdale a little bit. Actually, I took this as a challenge because, uh, you know, uh, sometimes musicians, especially the singers, we really want to prove ourselves and to prove the, to the people that we can we can do something different uh, out of the comfort zone you normally do. Like in my case, you know, the people know me as a as a heavy metal singer. Um, so I really wanted to prove that that I, I can sing something different that just heavy metal. Um, and and actually for me it was even more challenging because you know uh, I, I just grew up listening uh, AOR bands and 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 classic rock bands from America like Boston or Kansas with my father you know so to me there was a there was a huge uh, task and challenge to choosing in this record right uh, well your go-to uh, technique or register or uh, you know your your average thing is that you use the drive a lot right so but on that song I think it changed a little bit right. Yeah, you know, you know, to me, it's uh, it's really hard to explain because um, mm. um, um, uh, the, the, the drive that I and the raspy voice is yeah. it comes pretty natural. Mm. To you know, it's it's not a technique actually. 
there were some time where where there were some people asking me to to get you know uh, vocal lessons with me to to sing in this way. And I, and I was always replying like I cannot do this because I I don't know how to do it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so it's obviously the, uh, the this drive element is always there, but I w- I try to to make it in a different way this this time with this record because it's more melodic and mm-hmm. and actually the vocal production uh, even on the backing vocal side it's it's totally different from the things that I did before. Okay. okay. And I like how halfway through the album there's a song uh, "Lost Forever." It's a cool ballad that kind of breaks the album in two and gives some breathing space, right? Tell me about that track in particular. It's one of my favorites. Actually, when when Alessandro sent me the tracks to to go to the studio for this one, um, it reminds me a lot of these ballads from Ingrid Malmsteen, you know? Oh uh, yeah, that yeah. kind of things. Uh, and and I was and I was a huge fan in my teenaging, a huge fan of Ingrid Malmsteen. So I was like, oh, I really, you know, to me it's very important to when I when I get involved in a project to like the music that I'm gonna sing. Mm-hmm. That's that's the main element to get involved in a project, actually. You know, so so yeah. When I listened this this ballad, I was okay. I really want to sing this one, um, and I get and I think uh, we we uh, we did it in the right way. And as you say, there is a break point for for the listener in the record when you are listening the, the the first songs in the first half of the record, and it's, there is a lot of energy there. And then you have the ballad, and then you have the more melodic songs at the end. Yeah. Um, another favorite of mine is Here for You Tonight. I think it's because of the 80s influence, which is a, is a little bit more apparent on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the second half of the record is more is more in the AOR uh, style, you know, and, mm. and, it, and, and you know, it's I think it's, it's, it will be very entertaining for the people to listen. I hope so, too. Yeah, it was for me. And I think uh, I approached this album without any preconceived notion. Uh, I didn't know Sunstorm before. And I listened to it uh, with an open ear, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, I think there's, there's a little bit of unnecessary controversy about the album because fans of Jolene Turner are kind of complaining about him not being involved. But uh, without that preconceived notion, it's, it's a great album as a standalone, don't you think? I, I think so. I usually want to call the people to to just, just to give a chance to the record, you know, to listen to the album and that's it. Anyway, um, I get used to it, to this kind of... Controversy, mm. as you say, because um, yeah, I was <laughs> I was facing this since I joined Rainbow, and I was replacing yeah. uh, like five or six singers from the Purple and Rainbow, you know, singing all those songs with Richie. So to me, from the beginning, it was like a criticism about the you are not this, you are not Ronnie James Dio, you are just replacing, you are not Joel Turner, you are not Ian Gillan, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. so yeah. I, I take it as a natural way, like, you know, the people, they can obviously have their opinion on the things um, because it's, at the end, we're just selling a we're selling a product, you know, yeah. <laughs> so the people can like it or not. But it would be great if the people can just uh, just do, you know, to to give a chance and listen. I think the people are going to like it. Uh, yeah. Besides of the singer, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's almost unfair because the singer position is the one that gets the most attention, but at the same time, when it's changed, it's the one that gets the most hate from the fans, which I don't get it. But anyway. Uh, Yeah, it is this way. But as I told you before, it's always like this. You know, there's so many fans during the music history that they changed their singers. Yeah. Uh, And and it's still happening. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
I think so, yeah. With that said, I think uh, Darkest Night and maybe Lost Forever, uh, I think might please the old-time fans of Sunstorm. And uh, I know you're born in Chile and raised in Spain. Do you think of yourself more as a Chilean or a Spaniard? Or And do you see part of your heritage being uh, an influence in your musical upbringing or not? Uh, not at all. I don't think so. Uh, you know, in Chile, there was, there was no heavy metal or rock movement. Mm. Uh, um, uh, because of the dictatorship from from the eighties and the seventies, okay. so um, uh, no, um, obviously I feel like a Chilean. I was living in Spain and for eleven years, mm. and I have a, and I have I have a kid there, so okay. so okay. I really appreciate the country anyway, and and I like I love Madrid, uh, great. I have a lot of friends there, but um, I'm a, I'm Chilean more than than <laughs> than Spanish. Okay. I don't know if you were living there at the time in Chile, but in 1992, I remember because I'm Brazilian and Iron Maiden played there, uh, played in South America after a long absence. And the Chilean church prohibited Iron Maiden to play there. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. That was crazy. I thought, you know, who knew the church in there had so much power? But anyway. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In all those countries, it was like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, when was it that you first realized that you could sing? Um, I, I mean, from since I born, actually, <laughs> you know, almost, you know, because I grew up in a family of musicians. Okay. My father okay. was a singer. My mother, she was a singer, and she was a guitar player. My brother, my big brother, is a drummer. Mm. Uh, nice. My father actually used to sing in uh, my grandfather's big band, you know. Um, right. So yeah, I was surrounded by instruments all the time, and then musicians and listening to music all the time. So I, w I just started listening since I have memory uh, in the church first, uh, because my family they are Protestant. Um, okay. So they were going to the church, and I was singing all the time because you know the, my father was saying like, uh, oh, I mean, look at this, this my kid he can sing really well, um, <laughs> and I was singing in the gospel choir and and. And then I moved to the rock because my father, he was a huge fan of rock music. Uh, so I remember to put my first band together when I was like 14 years old. Wow. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and it was great because, you know, we're all the, all the members of that band, we were influenced by it, uh, or parents. Uh, and they were listening music like Rainbow the Purple, Jimi Hendrix, Pink Floyd, Boston, right, Kansas. Right. Great bands, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was mm -hmm. so cool from the beginning. Okay. okay, and I wonder what it felt like when you first stepped on a stage with Rainbow. Uh, were you scared, excited, a bit of both? It was a big decision for you to, to leave Lords of Black at the time and join Rainbow, right? Uh, yeah, obviously, yes. Uh, <laughs> but obviously, you can't, you can't say no to Rich Blackmore. <laughs> no, absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so uh, it was great. I remember that, you know, that my main skill is not to sing, but... Uh, not to get nervous. Mm. <laughs> That's my main skill. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, I was I was just enjoying. I remember that day like it was yesterday, uh, and and just right before to go to this to the stage when the intro tape was sounding, you know, and mm. all the people were waiting for Richard Blackmore after twenty five years, I guess. I don't remember well, but yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, and then Richie told me uh, just right before to step to the stage, he told me like just enjoy, you know. Mm -hmm. So that for me was okay. I 
what do they say we'll enjoy it and it was and it was super cool experience one thing I would read a lot about Richie, especially in the 80s and 90s magazines, is that he never smiles. And I, I never saw a picture of him smiling on stage, off stage, wherever. I never saw it. Does he smile at all? Uh, yeah, a lot, actually. <laughs> okay. I, yeah, a lot. I, I, obviously, I think it, there, he, he needs to keep this character mm. uh, that may, made him really famous, you know, like a the mistake. Guy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the guy's a difficult guy. But it's a kind of a shell that he put between the uh, outside people, the people outside from the band, and you know. But in the band, he's totally mm-hmm. different. He's a really nice guy. Right. Uh, he's right. joking all the time. We're you know making jokes all the time when we're you know getting dinner or taking a beer or even in the rehearsals. We're smiling. He's you know he's telling stories about his career all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's super funny. He's been in the business for, I think, seven decades now. I bet you learn a lot from him, right? Oh, you bet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the guy is, is great. And, and the, the most important thing that is, uh, is um, he always wants to, to, to help me with, you know, advices, that kind of thing. So he's always uh, asking me, how's it going? Do you need something? Mm-hmm. Uh, be careful with this uh, or handle this in this way or this other way. You know, it's, it's really helpful. Okay. And one thing I noticed, uh, and I think this is part of you becoming more uh, part of the global stage in, in metal, is your accent is a little bit more subtle recently, uh, at least in the studio. Did you do any kind of accent reduction? or Because there's training for that, right? Since years ago, I didn't talk English at all. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was, it was funny because the first meeting that I had with Richie, uh, I didn't talk English at all at that time. Wow. <laughs> Oh, you know, I was, I was, I was talking like, uh, I was living in the jungle, like Tarzan, you know, and then Jeez. it was, <laughs> yeah. And Sign I, was, language. I was telling, yes. I was telling him like, you know, my first meeting with him personally, it was like, I'm really sorry because I don't talk English at all. And, and mm-hmm. he, he understood and we were, you know, we understood each other at the time. And then suddenly, obviously you started to, to work with all these people uh, from Europe and mostly Germany and UK and with Americans when I go to Rich's house because he lives in New York mm-hmm. uh, and actually lives in Long Island. So it's, it's kind of a natural training, I guess. So you get adapted to different accents and obviously you lose your own accent. At least. Yeah. 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 Um, taking a sidetrack now and speaking of other endeavors that you're involved with, you recorded one of my favorite albums of last year, uh, Vandenberg's 2020. It's yeah. a shame that you can't tour with them right now. Yeah, it is a shame, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. shit happens. <laughs> you have to make choices, right? Yeah. Yeah. You were, I think you were handed the task of singing uh, all the Michael Schenker catalog now, covering a wide range of styles, Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. How do you prepare for that? I mean, there's there's so many eras of of his output to cover. As Michael said, one of my skills is to to have the ability to copy other singers. <laughs> uh, he, he was telling you can sing everything. Mm. Uh, I said, yeah, I don't know. I, I think actually I'm not a good singer. Uh, mm. I just can copy other singers. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think it's gonna be great uh, to have the chance. Obviously, first of all, to have the honor to be the only singer on the tour. Yeah. Uh, that didn't happen in a long time, you know, for, yeah. for Michael Schenker. He was bringing yeah. a lot yeah. of singers. Um, so, yeah, and, and I need to cover all the uh, huge catalog from, from Michael Schenker, and not only Michael Schenker, but Scorpions, and then UFO. Um, yeah. 
So it's going to be funny. I just need to get my ginger tea and be prepared. <laughs> yeah, and rest your voice. I mean, you're resting it now because you're not touring, but uh, there's yeah. got to be plenty of rest between shows, right, I guess? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. we have Kerala tour at the end of this year, and it's going to be at the – I mean, uh, by now is about 30 shows around Europe. Wow, yeah. So uh, in in a month, month and a half, I think. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be – It's going to be <laughs> interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, tell me about Laws of Black. Uh, you left the band and then you came back. And last year, you released the Alchemy of Souls Part 1. Uh, what is the plan for Part 2, if any? I don't think it was clear if there was a Part 2 in the works or not. Oh, Actually, the Part 2 is already recorded. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, because, uh, because Tony, he conceived the, uh, the Alchemy of Souls uh, concept. Mm. As a whole, mm. you know. So then he obviously needed to split in two albums because there were too many songs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the album is just recorded. And then um, uh, I think it's going to be mastered like in a couple of months. And then and then Frontier is going to decide when to when to release it. Okay. And on yet another project, I read somewhere that you, Mike Turan, and Magnus Carlson have plans for a new Ferryman album? Uh, we have solid plans, actually. Okay. Actually, hmm. I should be on the studio in a couple of weeks to oh. record the third part of, of the Ferryman. That's great to hear. Uh, and so what can you tell me about live dates? We touched on uh, Michael Schinker, the plans. Uh, what else is there in the cards for you? Oh, and actually nothing else so far. <laughs> uh, we are just waiting for the confirmation that we can make the tour. You know, nowadays mm. it's really hard to properly set uh, the plans because every day the rules are changing because of the COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're just waiting. So far the tour is going to happen. Mm. Uh, um, and then probably for the next year we're going to plan a tour with uh, Lords of Black to support the uh, releases. Okay. And with Sunstorm, I mean, this is a new lineup. Uh, it's stronger than ever with a great album. Uh, is there any chance that you guys do a live uh, live show or, or a mini tour of some kind or not? Absolutely, yes. We are really up to do it because, uh, you know, uh, I know the guys uh, since many years. Alessandro, I met him like five years ago and mm. with Simo. He was doing the mixing for the first uh, Ferryman album, actually. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, well, you know we have a good chemistry together, and and uh, we have plans to make something if if the things change in a good way because of the COVID. Mm. Uh, we are we are able to make some live shows possible. Okay, okay. I'll keep my fingers crossed. And I mean, I live in Canada now. I I know there's a slim chance of you touring here, but uh, I hope <laughs> I get to see you live here someday, man. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Okay. Ronnie, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, and I hope to hear more from you later in the year. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, everyone. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this interview with Ronnie Romero. The interview is available on many formats, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Also, please follow us on Twitter and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let's wrap it up with Swan Song from Sunstorm's new album, Afterlife. Stay safe, and see you next time. Mm -hmm.